path, started by those beckoned by destiny, leads us to a place where a guided star has found its light. Andrade Cienamos is the new NXT champion! Where a spark has ignited the fire of an entire division. Here in the Lone Star State, her home, she has become the North Star of the NXT Women's Division! And a system has been shot to its core. What does this mean for the future of NXT? But now, the path takes us to a place. A place with a history of extreme. Philadelphia has an extreme history. Adam Cole, a takeover Philadelphia. Your match with Alistair Black is now an extreme rules match. Alistair, there are a million and one ways for me to hurt you. And in Philadelphia, I will mangle and embarrass Alistair Black. You brought me through this realm, Adam. You chose this path. I embody extreme rules. Get some help out here! And then where does she turn her attention but to Amber Moon and that NXT Women's Championship? You want to bully someone, Shayna? Well, I dare you to try that with me. Oh, my God, Johnny Gargano has done it! People were ready to write him off, and here he is today, the number one contender. Johnny Wrestling is a lie. We've already beaten Johnny Gargano, not once, but twice. He is a loser. For the first time in a very long time, I know exactly who I am. And I am the next NXT Champion. When the crowd goes wild. NXT goes to the extreme and takes over Philadelphia. This is your United States of America. Speak your mind. Cross the line now, say the truth. What's up, everyone? Welcome to this very special NXT TakeOver Philadelphia preview episode of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by TheGorillaPosition.com and presented by Hameen Media. We'd like to thank the staff over at both platforms for syndicating this episode and giving Rick and I a chance to run down this amazing card for you guys going into tomorrow night's big show. As always, you can find the show on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks, shoot us an email at HittingTheMarks at gmail.com, for those unfamiliar with our voices, in the 917, they call me El Capitan, the maniacal one known as Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. I'm joined as always alongside my tag team partner, the O'Reilly to my fish, Huckleberry number one, RBV, Rick, welcome to your show. 
It's me, it's me. It's the art of the beat of the V. Rick Vickery here. I believe me, I'm surprised I can say this about WWE this week, but I am absolutely hyped to be here in the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, getting ready to talk some NXT TakeOver Philly, baby. TakeOver Philadelphia, Wells Fargo Center, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Like you were just saying, TakeOver 19. It doesn't seem like this is the 19th TakeOver. Hey, they've come a long way. You know, each seems like each and every time they just get better and better uh, when we get these TakeOver specials. Hey, something even cooler, you know, this is 19 at the Rumble, which, you know, by, by math and looking at the calendar here, NXT TakeOver 20 will be WrestleMania. What a grand stage for quite a milestone. You know, if this was New Japan and Ghetto was the booker, we would think that they did that on purpose. Here, I just think it's a random accident. <laughs> So let, let's talk a little bit about the tapings that have been leading up to TakeOver Philadelphia. Uh, most of these tapings took place at Center Stage in Atlanta. What did you think of the setup of Center Stage? I know that you've had a chance to watch most of the episodes now. I got through, you know, usually when we go into these things, I, I'm you're one of those fans. You watch it on the weekly. I'm a binge watcher, so I am all caught up, ready to go. And I like the presentation there. And then, and it's always you get that nice nostalgic throwback to, you know, WCW Saturday nights when you were a kid growing up and, and watching wrestling from that very, that very area there. I hate those goddamn stairs. I keep thinking somebody's gonna fall down the stairs every time somebody comes walking out of that damn place. Um, I thought it was cool. You know, it, it, it was definitely a different feeling crowd than Full Sail. Uh, that's for sure. Didn't seem like it was nearly as smarky as the full sale crowd tends to come across. Um, this is also kind of a quick build for NXT. Normally there's a little bit more time. You know, there's really not a whole lot of time between survivor series and the Royal rumble. Well, you just have around two months, right? But for the main roster that works because you're building to these big 30 person matches. Whereas in NXT, they're used to having four months to build their programs. Well, I, you know, when we jump into this card, you know, as you've got it laid out here, it's an amazing run here, brother, with how you're tying this all together. I mean, these stories, I mean, they go way back. Yeah. There is some serious build. Uh, and there's reason for fans to get invested in each of these matches. Well, all, you know, all but one, but but we'll get there. But, you know, the big four matches here, these are long-running pro- you know, programs that we've got. Yeah, when, when you first see this card on paper, you're like, ah, it, it kind of looks like a downer. But it's like NXT has so much good faith built up because they've been putting on such good shows that we trust this is going to be a good show. And when you really look at this card, it's like, Oh yeah, this all makes sense. Some of these stories have been going on since may. So yeah, it absolutely makes sense as we, as we really dive into it. So let, let's dissect the card a little bit. Let's, let's start with the match that has absolutely zero build to this show, which is Cassius Ono versus the Velveteen Dream. This was announced on the uh, conference call Wednesday by Triple H uh, before the airing of NXT, which featured Dream versus Gargano for the number one contendership. I thought that was absolutely stupid. But there's not really much build here between Ono and Velveteen Dream other than originally this was supposed to be one of the matches to qualify for the Fatal 4-Way. Velveteen Dream was injured at TakeOver War Games. He gets pulled out. Gargano gets put in. Of course, Gargano wins the whole thing. 
So this was the original match that we were supposed to see. That's basically the build for this match. Well, you know, and it, you know, it makes sense that they would throw this thing on here. You know, at last last takeover. I mean, that was really dreams coming out party. You know, for especially those casual fans that say, "Hey, it's a takeover. I gotta tune in. I gotta see what this is about." You know, a lot of people hadn't seen him there, and he turned heads. You know, he he took that center stage. He used that spotlight. Did it, it got me, man. I, you know, I had my phone blowing up. Uh, you know, people messaging me on social media. Everyone's like, "Oh, you know, is this guy supposed to be like a homosexual character?" And I'm like, "No, I don't get that at all." And then they're like, "Well, he looks like Prince, and that means he's gay, right?" <laughs> no, I, I don't get this at all. I mean, I know three things about about Prince, man. Uh, the guy can, can play some hoops. He can serve up some pancakes, and he can pull some wool. Hold you know, there he is. But Dream, this was that was Dream's breakout moment. Now what we're going to have here is that opportunity for him to get that first big win at a takeover. I really enjoyed everything that they did between Velveteen Dream and Johnny Gargano on this set of tapings with Dream saying, hey, you know, I got pulled out of this tournament. I didn't even get a shot. And we all know that this should be my spot. Gargano delivers that money promo about how nobody believes in him. So, yeah, okay, I'll whip your ass, and I'll put my number one contendership on the line. Thought Hunter really kind of spoiled that for the people that follow it week to week without reading ahead and knowing that the card is solidified when he gives us away on Wednesday when the episode comes out Wednesday night. But this will be a good match. I absolutely believe that. I, I think we're both in the same camp here. Velveteen Dream goes over. When he first debuted, I didn't like the character at all. He just felt like a black gold dust. And and now he's kind of evolved into more of a, a ravishing Rick Rude kind of character. And I'm, I'm very much enjoying that. Well, you know, the, that character work in his match with Black at the last takeover. And I think when he, when he first started going, you know, the, the opening bell, a lot of people were kind of like, okay, what's going on here? But it was, it was that, you know, that, that great build throughout the match where he showed all that character and people jumped on board. I, you, I would expect this is going to open, right? This has got to be your opener. I expect this to be the opener of the show. I expect, uh, which one do you bring out first? Do you, do you bring Ono out first? Because probably the best part of the Cassius Ono act right now is his entrance music. I, I start with that. Let him go in there. Let You know, because the crowd is used to getting hyped with that. And then let him settle back in and have another. Because, I, you know, the, both these guys are going to get a great pop. Well, and I'm sure Chris Hero is over as shit in Philadelphia. Well, and, and you're, you know, you're going to have, you know, and Ono is... He has slid into that role where, man, he still has all that star power. He still, you know, is a credible talent, but he is in that put over position. He's in that player coach kind of role right yeah, now. Yeah, you know, and he took, you know, that was Ty Dillinger's spot in NXT for so long. Uh, now, you know, Ty's just kind of floating around over on SmackDown. So Ono's kind of, you know, he's moved into that role. Like we saw at the last takeover. He comes out with, uh, was it Sullivan, correct? Yep. Yep. Hey, those two had a great opener. It was awesome. In my eyes, it set the tone for the entire night, and, and that show just got better and better and better as it went on. And I think you're going to have – this is going to set the tone for an amazing evening right here between these two. Yep, completely agreed. Uh, Velveteen Dream goes over. I absolutely expect that. Yep. Unless this He's, is going to be a longer-running program. I just think, you know, a takeover stage like this, you want to get him that first big win. You know – even though he, you know, he took the three count last time, you know, he did emerge 
as the big winner of that show. This is he's going to get that real win. He's going to keep keep on moving. I expect the next match on the show is going to be the tag titles, Undisputed Era, defending against the Authors of Pain. Um, this then goes back quite a ways. Uh, Sanity defeats Authors of Pain at Takeover Brooklyn Three. That's Authors of Pain's first loss. That's when they originally lost the titles. On October 18th, Undisputed Era attacks Sanity during the rematch, so Authors of Pain get the win. Their rematch is used up, but they don't get the titles back. At that point, Authors of Pain kind of disappeared, and I think we all kind of assumed Authors of Pain was going to be coming up to the main roster at that point. Didn't happen. Uh, so then they reemerge uh, November 1st, um, or I'm sorry, yeah, November 1st, Authors of Pain won by DQ. That sets up the War Games match between Undisputed Era, Sanity, and then Authors of Pain and Roderick Strong because you have the Roderick Strong and Undisputed Era story going on. So many stories interwoven inside of NXT. It's crazy. I, I don't know how the main roster doesn't do this anymore. December 20th, the Undisputed Era win the tag titles from Sanity. January 17th, Authors of Pain defeat the Street Profits to be the, become the number one contenders. So now, Authors of Pain are coming for their rematch that they never really got against the guys that screwed them out of their original rematch, who are now holding the titles in Undisputed Era. You know, it's, it's what's crazy about it is, you know, we go down this entire card, you know, except for the women's, like the, all four of the men's matches, they all have something in common with each other. They're all where, intertwined together. Yeah, where they have intertwined at some point. And, and you mentioned what's sad is they can't do that between, you know, Raw and SmackDown. Oh, they've got the easiest platform handed to them. You have a 30-man match to start getting people involved. In, and we don't have any of that. Not to not to go back and harp on that. It's probably going to be the last time I mention anything red and blue, but... Hey, it almost seems like TakeOver back in Brooklyn at SummerSlam, you know, each and every month, you know, we're having this conversation. When is AOP going to make that jump? When are they moving on from NXT? And you really have to believe this has to be. This has got to be it, that right? Moment. This has got to be it, right? Uh, I think be. I, I think it's going to be a hell of a match. The two different styles here, uh, you, you know, you're just your, your traditional – you know, Mac guys, you know, that are technicians and then you're just your big old brutes that are out to hurt you. We, we talk about the Young Bucks as one of the best tag teams in the world. We talk about the Revival as one of the best tag teams in the world. Red Dragon or Undisputed Era, whatever you want to call them, Fish and O'Reilly, that combination. They've been all over the world. They've won just about every tag title on the face of the freaking planet. These guys are fantastic. It's just something feels like it's still missing from Undisputed Era in NXT. Like they still feel like they're the Ring of Honor guys running around in NXT. And that goes for Adam Cole, too. What would you suggest to maybe shake that up? Because I, I you know now that you mention it, you know, you say it out loud, it is that way. Because, you know, I, maybe I couldn't, you know, put my finger on what exactly it was, but they do have that vibe about them. They've kind of got that NWO outsiders kind of vibe to him uh even adam cole getting up in william regal's face when he announced that black and cole was going to be for an extreme rules match and adam cole got right up in regal's face it just it feels like this is undisputed era versus nxt it doesn't feel like they're part of nxt 
you know, you had mentioned before uh, about with Ono, you know, he's going to be popular with that crowd. Man, Undisputed Era is going to be majorly over with this crowd. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would almost, it's probably going to feel at times that they're the faces in this thing. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I think you're going to get really a 50-50 split. It also wouldn't surprise me if Authors of Pain kind of play the heels in this match. That's what I'm saying. You know, maybe on their way out, you know, they heal it up a little bit more. Uh, they try to take it to that next level of, with their brutality here. I, I'm going to go even more than a 50-50. I think this is going to be an overwhelmingly pro Undisputed Era crowd. Let's move on to the women's match. Ember Moon versus Shayna Baszler. Uh We've said that they had two months to build this card. Month number one was establishing Ember Moon as a dominant champion. They got as many Ember Moon matches on the last set of tapings as they possibly could to establish her as champion. This month has been about building Shayna Baszler as a bully. This is this is basically your, your high school story of the big bad senior who's just kicking the shit out of all the freshmen. And here comes the one freshman girl who's finally going to step up to the bully. You know, the, the outcome in this one, this match really intrigues me because you, you could go in so many different directions here. Uh, and especially, you know, it, it might seem like it's, it's too soon to really get that title off of Moon. But you are correct. They have done. They have gone overboard, making sure that she, you know, has had a, a credible run because she's defending that thing. You know, more than any other champ does, you know, in NXT on just their weekly programming for such a short time. Then December 27th, you have Kyrie Sane comes out to challenge Ember Moon. Baszler shows up, chokes her out. December 10th, Baszler absolutely pummels poor Dakota Kai. January 17th, Baszler attacks um, Aaliyah after her match with Lacey Evans. And then Moon comes out making the save every time. Because Moon is still trying to get the respect of the women's locker room because everybody feels like she shouldn't be champion. And the only reason she's champion is because Asuka's already gone. I feel like Moon, the money is in the chase, not in the rain. Do they put the title on Baszler here? I think I mentioned this to you a couple weeks back. I would all, at this point, and I do agree, you know, she, Moon, the appeal with her is that that underdog baby who's in the chase. I think you could twist it, though, where she, she keeps that title, but she is still obviously that underdog still looking for respect. I would keep the title on her because of a ref stoppage, having Baszler just completely destroying her and then going past you know the, the warnings from the officials to stop, 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 and she just keeps pounding or keeps a hold on. The finish I serious. wanted of Baszler and Candice LeRae during the May Young Classic, where, I, yeah, Baszler won that match, but she should have been DQ'd because she never released the hold. I go right back to that, and this time, you know, you think that Baszler's got it, we get, we get a cool, dusty finish. Uh, they've come, you know, and they end up dis, you know, disqualifying Baszler for not letting go of it. And it, I don't know, man, would you, would you have her kind of, maybe you send a bunch of other, like, women down, maybe not just the talent, but you know, maybe like a security team or something. And she takes a few of those, those people out as well. Or, Ooh, that could be interesting. Bring out like Sarah Amato, have her choke her out. That'd yeah. Some somebody heat. comes out and tries to talk her down and she grabs her right there in that ring. That'd be cool. Throws the choke on her. Um, another finish that I've entertained for this match is Baszler just dominates the entire match. 
Moon keeps kicking out at two, showing that fighting spirit, until Baszler just makes some kind of a rookie mistake and Moon catches her. And a quick three count. Well, instead of the kick out there where she just keeps fighting, because you see like a couple, maybe in a couple spots where Baszler just doesn't go for it or releases holds a little early just to, t- to keep toying with her, or she just becomes overly cocky and then makes that mistake and we get like a schoolboy or something like because, that. Because, I mean, let's face it. I mean, we've really only seen like, what, maybe three or four matches out of Baszler, you know? So she's still we know that she's legit because of her UFC background, but inside of a pro wrestling context, she's still a rookie quote unquote. Yeah. And you're going back to the May young. I throughout the entire tournament. I was, I wasn't overly impressed. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm I'm not, I'm not, I've been way more up on her character work in the last month than I have been in anything else that I have seen out of her. She, she very much has that, I'm the big bad bully because she's built like a brick shit house, whereas the rest of them are built like women. Hey, did you did you see the post over in the, in the hobby um, media discussion group on Facebook? Someone had had posted a picture of her, and with then had either they typed in or maybe it was even a meme they created with it. That one of their friends had asked asked them if Baszler was Bailey's older brother. Oh my God. (laughs) The other question here is, do we call up Ember Moon? I mean, it's not like we don't have plenty of spots open in the Royal Rumble. We could call up Ember Moon at this point. You could either just have her show up at the Rumble and then go to SmackDown, which really needs female talent. Because I, I feel like Ember Moon is ready. Or she's as ready as she's going to get. It's almost one of those points. Like, there really is nothing more for her to do there. Uh, one of those, it's time to shit or get off the pot kind of moves. Hey, they've got a lot worse that they're working with on Raw and SmackDown. Yeah, absolutely. At least Ember Moon has the cool entrance and a little bit of character. You know, like the Riot Squad, aside from Ruby, is pretty much dead in the water. Absolution without Paige, dead in the water. Do you, you know. think she what, what kind of reaction do you think she she garners? Well, she's going to get a pop in Philly from from the match before because I think a lot of your smart marks that are going to be at Takeover are also going to be at the Rumble and they're going to pop when Ember's music hits because they're going to know who she is. I mean, I could I could see that because you know they they do have some spots that they still need to fill there. Now on the flip side of that, would you see you know they they've got this you know the story with Baszler. Uh, could you see anything with maybe starting some groundwork for if Baszler shows up Sunday to with the horsewoman deals or anything or well or is it just is my it far under, that? my understanding is the two the other two horsewomen I mean obviously Rhonda has interest and obviously Baszler has interest my right. understanding is the other two have dropped out of training and the deal is dead okay so they, it's it's, it's just not going to happen. At, okay. at least at this point, that's what I have heard. Okay. Yeah, you know, I just didn't know with, you know, just that MMA background. And, you know, it would get people really, you know, that maybe don't follow the sheets and all that as, as closely as, you know, individuals as ourselves say, oh, you know, maybe it just triggers something in everyone's minds that, hey, Rhonda could be on her way here. Yeah. 
Well, and I think that's the other thing, too. If you bring Baszler out and you get Baszler and you don't get Ronda, that could be asking for a very negative response to Baszler. And I don't think that's fair to her. You know, it, really for me, going back to it, I wouldn't move her. I wouldn't showcase her someday uh, simply because she is just far too green for any of that. Going back to your moon point, though, she's pretty much ready. There's not much left for her to do in NXT, especially if she drops that title. Yeah, I mean, it is now the time to call up Moon? Like, it, it feels like it should be the time to call up Moon, but it doesn't feel like it's time for her to go. You know, it's it, it's a very weird. You know, you know for the get go, I, I know she's got a great look, and I know she's she's very talented. Some of her just hasn't clicked for me. I just, I just don't really see her lasting much longer with the company as in a whole. Um, we talked on the show the other day, even with all the legends, if you added in all the legends that came out on raw 25, you were still at 25 women. So we needed like five of them from NXT. I'm assuming if Ember moon is in this, that's one, uh, Billy Kay, Peyton Royce. I think we've all, they're kind of like authors of pain. We've been just kind of watching our watch, waiting, wondering how soon before they call these two up. Well, you know, it was, you know, it was a, a definite head scratcher that when they went with the mirrored groups, you know, of Absolution and Riot Squad, you know, why didn't they bring the iconic duo to one of these shows to be something different from the other? Those two with Paige as, as a faction, that would have been freaking great. That would have been so much better than Absolution. Just stick with the iconic thing. And do Paige, Billy Kay, and Peyton Royce? God, that would have been great. Nope, dropped the ball on that one. Um, so that's three. So we need two more. Uh, Kyrie Sane, the winner of the May Young Classic. I could see that one. Stephanie McMahon? No. I am not even going to hey, entertain don't, that don't idea. Don't hold your breath. Oh, no, I I'm not. Mean. I'm not, but I'm not even going to entertain that idea. Who's the other one? I mean... Philly is a pretty smart crowd. Like, could you throw Candace in this thing? I think she would get a, get a great pop. I know we're going to talk about her a little bit later. I think she has a different role, and it's one. I get the feeling they're going to go in this direction. I know you're against it, but we'll hold off till we get there. But, hey, you know what? I'll go ahead and stooge it off as a little bit of a teaser. You know, also this weekend, Jargo and myself, we do it for every WWE pay-per-view. We do a little poolside, be the booker. So this last spot here, I'm going to stooge off what I was going to pitch on that upcoming episode this weekend. The Eva Marie entrance. Oh, man. Everything red. And you just kind of hit it a couple times for two minutes and no one ever comes out. And then she never comes out. Oh, my gosh. That would be fucking great. That would be great. Yes. I think, you know, especially with that smarter Philly crowd. I would and, applaud that. And with your smarts sitting at home, you're going to get a great pop from that. A good laugh moment. Yeah, because when, when that music hits and the entrance starts, people are going to lose their freaking minds booing. And then and then they'll quickly be reminded of what that gimmick was. Yep. Yep. I like that. Well played. Well played. Then we get the Extreme Rules match, otherwise known as the EC Dub match. Um you heard the open at the beginning. Uh, if you see the video, the video is on WWE.com. They even have like video of RVD, like jumping through tables and stuff. Like as they're previewing this extreme rules match in historic Philadelphia. 
extreme, extreme, extreme. They can't put that over enough. It's extreme. You know, when I first heard the stipulation was slapped on this match, I mean, I, I really did shake my head. You know, to me, this is this is what they're doing. They're just trying to appease, you know, into that old school Philly mentality that you got to have something extreme there. To me, put a gimmick on this thing. It takes away from two tremendous talents that could go out there and have an absolute classic of a traditional match. I and think, especially, I think these guys can have an absolute classic of a match like this too. I'm just not sure that they'll be allowed to do it under the WWE well, umbrella. I was just going to ask you that, Google. This still is the WWE. Yeah, I mean, we like if this was happening in CZW or something, this would be pretty well, intense. But do you think they'll have they'll pull some of the strains? You know, they'll let them go a little bit, pull some, let, let loose on some of the strain there because we have seen where NXT does push it a little more than, you know, the red or blue. A little bit more, but we've also seen them stop a, a championship match in NXT because Joe had a little too much blood on his face, you know? So, I don't know. I As bloodthirsty as the Philadelphia faithful are, uh, no matter how physical this is and how much they are allowed to do, I'm just afraid that it's not going to be enough for that fan base. I think anywhere else in the country, yeah, they might be able to get away with this, but like Philadelphia, New York, when you get into that true ECW territory, it's pushing it. I I understand you're trying to pay homage, but don't insult it either. You know? So, well, who, who do you ultimately see going over in this thing? Well, well, let's, let's give a little bit of the buildup to this thing because this is so intertwined with the tag match and, the the main event match it's it's a little bit ridiculous how how well they have actually built this thing on on the December 6th episode of NXT NXT general manager William Regal announces a series of matches that included Cassius Ono versus Velveteen Dream which was later replaced by Johnny Gargano Alistair Black versus Adam Cole which is where this whole thing started uh Killian Dane versus Trent Seven and Roderick Strong versus Lars Sullivan Uh, That took place. The four winners go on to the fatal four-way match to determine the number one contender for CN Almas. Um, The winner, obviously, Gargano, Dane, Black, and Sullivan, uh, who fought in the four-way, which Gargano won when Black was distracted by the Undisputed Era because of the original match between Adam Cole and Aleister Black, uh, granting Gargano the match with Almas. Um... December 27th episode of NXT undisputed era cost black the opportunity at the championship in the four way, uh, January 10th episode of NXT, uh, Alistair black teams with Roderick strong to challenge Bobby fish and Kyle O'Reilly for the NXT tag team titles during the match. Adam Cole would come out, get involved, ambush black from behind. They end up fighting through the entire crowd, allowing O'Reilly and fish to retain the titles NXT general manager William Regal then comes out and announces that this is going to be the extreme rules match at TakeOver Philadelphia to blow off this feud between Undisputed Era and Aleister Black. And kind of by association, Roderick Strong, who is seemingly missing from this card, which is a little bit odd. And then we saw earlier today that they announced Roderick Strong versus... Uh, Tyler Bate is going to be on next week's episode of NXT, which will be taped before TakeOver Philadelphia. <sighs> that was a mouthful. Hey, you know, they're really doing a good job in that, in that pre-tape for the upcoming episode of giving that, 
you know, the, you know, the audience there a really strong match. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, last time it was, you know, everyone was complaining. We were shocked. Uh, and it ended up working out great. You know, they you gave Pete Dunn and Gargano. Yeah. You know, was for the for the house crowd. We got it a week later. And that that worked out perfect for them and they're going right back to that same formula it appears here. Which even that Gargano and Pete Dunn match is part of the main event build. Yeah. You know, that's when Gargano was on his losing streak. It's crazy how well NXT can build TV and interlace all of these stories with one hour a week on the WWE network. And then you get five hours of raw and SmackDown and everything is time slotted in this match with, with the extreme rules step, what kind of, what, what Adam Cole should we expect to see? Vicious Adam Cole. We're going to get that side. I think, I think that this is where you have to get vicious Adam Cole. I think Adam Cole has to win this match. I understand Adam Cole went over at War Games. He was the guy who actually got the pinfall on Roddy. Well, you know what was great there. I, I like I like what you way you pitched this. You know to bring out that vicious side because he was very much the ultimate coward in that cage. Yep. Yeah, he kept going to perch. Get it. He was everything he could do to get away from all that violence. Man, that's what he was about. That was his strategy. Now my question is, with this being Extreme Rules, I assume that also means it's no DQ, right? Oh yeah, that falls into a obviously right. So you could have on this. You could have O'Reilly, Fish, and Adam Cole take out Alistair Black. Well, then you know at that point, does Black get some backup? Roderick Strong, any, you know Roddy come out or or any let's say you know the Sanity Crew, or maybe that's where you debut Donovan Dijak, and you think Donovan Dijak is coming out to help Alistair Black. And then he joins the Undisputed Era and kicks the shit out of Aleister Black, leading to Donovan Dijak versus Aleister Black as your program going forward. That would be dope. Yeah, I mean, you could go and with this stipulation, you know, it maybe yeah, you know, my first thought is yeah, they're just doing this to appease just that hardcore Philly fan base. But you know, with something like this, you really can you can protect the shit out of Black as well here. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, especially with the weapons and as as backhanded and dastardly as Adam Cole is and has been known to be. Um, we talked about, you know, with Undisputed Era and Authors of Pain, and at best you're going to get a 50-50 split. What do you expect for a crowd response in this match between Adam Cole, Bay Bay, and Tommy, 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 Tommy fucking end? I still think you're gonna you're gonna see, just being Philadelphia, I think it's gonna be more pro Cole here. I think you're gonna have a closer split than we would see earlier in the show with AOP uh, versus Red Dragon, but I think this is still gonna be pro undisputed. I think this crowd is gonna be hot for this match. I just I hope that this match lives up to what it should be, and I really absolutely expect kendo sticks and thank you sir can i have another to be completely reenacted tomorrow night so let's move on to the main event andrade cn almas taking on johnny wrestling johnny gargano for the nxt championship oh what a twisted road we have been down to get to this match and what a parallel these two have had 
So let's go back to TakeOver Chicago, May 20th of 2017, and talk about Johnny Gargano's former partner, Tommaso Ciampa. That was the last time we saw Ciampa. We, well, I guess we got the promo from him afterwards, where Ciampa announced, you know, if I'm going away, I'm going to make sure Johnny Wrestling's going away, too. Gargano returns on July 12th after the heinous beatdown in May from Ciampa. And Johnny Gargano is not quite himself. Johnny Gargano goes on an epic losing streak. August 9th, Almas challenges Gargano for TakeOver Brooklyn 3 and wins thanks to a DIY shirt, thanks to Zelina Vega. This is when Almas starts his big ascension to the NXT title, was that first win over Johnny Gargano. October 11th, Sienna again defeats Gargano. When Vega takes off her top, I know we all popped for that, if you know what I'm saying, to reveal yet another DIY shirt underneath of her jacket, again distracting Gargano, Cien gets the pin. Cien is 2-0 now against Johnny Gargano. At War Games November 18th, Gargano loses to Pete Dunne. Cien defeats Drew McIntyre. So from the beginning of of this feud, Cien goes undefeated, Goes on to win the title. Gargano goes exactly the other way. Loses all of his matches. But William Regal keeps giving him a shot. Keeps giving him a shot. Keeps giving him a shot. Until he finds himself in a four-way that he never should have been in. Thus leading to the Velveteen Dream Feud with Gargano. And now we find ourselves at TakeOver. Johnny Wrestling versus Andrade Cien Almas for the NXT Championship. Rick, what do you expect going into this match six months later? What you, this is another one where just, you know, the actual outcome, it could spin off into so many different directions and all of them are pretty interesting. Yeah. It's all fascinating uh, yeah, stuff. This, um, this really sets up 2018 for NXT. However, this match comes out. However, this match goes down. When is Gargano's former partner? When is he due back? You got any word on this? All early indications were that Ciampa should be expected back in time for TakeOver New Orleans. Now, I think everybody out there that's listening to us, anyone that's, you know, that is a fan of NXT, anyone that just knows anything about storytelling, I mean, that's where you have to go. That's your number one. That's your moneymaker, correct? Right. So... So Trappa comes back. I would expect to see him maybe not I would I would expect to see him at this show. Some some form fashion. He's going to he's going to cost Gargano this match, I believe. It's gonna reignite this here. And this is where we're gonna get I think Candace is a part of the story. I I know you were opposed to it. I don't know if I'm like over you know over the top about the idea myself, but it would generate a great deal of heat to this already hot, hot program. Okay. Well, let me, let, uh, I just don't want her to get right. Well, let's, 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 that's, that's her role. Let's take Candace out of the equation for the second. All right. And let's just talk about the NXT championship. All right. I think you and I both agree. Gargano versus Ciampa does not need the title. Not at all. Is it better if Gargano has the title 
and Ciampa has a prize to take away from Gargano again. See, I almost think him coming in here and costing this match, if, if, he, can, if he can get involved and the reason that Gargano doesn't take that strap, that to me adds more heat than Gargano with that title and Ciampa trying to take that from him. Because in this one moment, you know, like as you told that story, this has been a, a huge you know, road to, of redemption for Gargano. You know, to, he keeps stumbling, 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 but yet he still found himself here. I mean, this, that's the ultimate you know, rags to riches deal. Now, if Ciampa can come out and take that away one more time to steal everything that he's wanted away one more time, just to remind you, hey, you are the loser. You're never going to succeed like that. I think that's, that generates a gr- way more heat in my mind. I would be inclined to agree with you. How much do you know about Tommaso Ciampa? Do you, do you know anything of Ciampa before NXT? Yeah. Did you follow uh, much of his ROH stuff or anything? Yeah, I, I watched all of his Ring of Honor stuff, and I've seen him in a few other independent promotions. Okay. Uh, so, so you know the Tommaso Ciampa that I know, which is not a Tommaso Ciampa that many of the NXT faithful know. Because Ciampa has always been presented as a babyface in NXT, which was always weird to me. It, it took a while to get used to because everywhere else, man, he is a cold, calculating son of a bitch, man. He'll cut you down. He's the Sicilian psychopath. Yeah. I mean, that's his gimmick. He is a psychopath. So I have this entire scenario laid out. And tell me how you think this sounds. Gargano wins the title tomorrow night. And when Gargano wins the title, his music hits. And as his music is playing, the entire NXT roster comes down to the ring to celebrate Johnny Gargano winning the NXT championship. Led by his lovely wife, Candice LeRae. And they anoint Johnny Gargano as the chosen one, the leader of their locker room, the true NXT champion, the bleeding heart that is NXT. And then when they go to hit his music, you hear. And Tommaso Ciampa comes walking out onto the stage. And Tommaso Ciampa reminds Johnny Gargano This is not your moment. This is my moment. Just like he did at TakeOver Chicago. I think Ciampa is more calculating than coming down and costing Gargano the match. I think this has to be very well thought out. I would even make it so Gargano and Ciampa cannot touch one another until TakeOver New Orleans. And just have it be psychological fucking warfare. I could definitely get down with that. Uh, You know, I just, it gets in my mind, I constantly had the idea of of Ciampa just like brutalizing. Yes. And and I think that's the thing, man. I think that's what we all expect. Is Ciampa to just show up out of nowhere and just beat Johnny Gargano into a freaking pulp. But this is the Sicilian psychopath. Yeah. And you know what, really, with your pitch there. That starts it because then that lays the groundwork and then you can have all this other 
brutality happening on your, you know, over the next couple of months on the road to take over New Orleans. And have Ciampa remind everybody, this is not the moment that you remember that Johnny Gargano won the NXT championship. You're going to remember this moment because this is when I returned. And steal that moment from Gargano because that means more than just beating him to a freaking pulp. Just insult him. Steal his thunder. Take away his history. Everybody's out here to celebrate and Ciampa shows up and shits in everybody's Cheerios. That's the Tommaso Ciampa I know. That's the Tommaso Ciampa I want to see. Could definitely get down with that, man. Good pitch. Uh, One other one that I wanted to bring up, and there's not really any good place to bring this up, so I wanted to bring it up at the end of the show here. Uh, Drew McIntyre. Have we heard anything about the progress of Drew McIntyre or where he stands in his return? Anything? I, I haven't heard any reports on him. I, I just... You know, under the impression that he still has quite a while, uh, that this would be like a post WrestleMania season return. Damn, because the Royal Rumble would be a great place for Drew McIntyre to re-debut. Well, Damn, you know, especially if we got that that U.S. Open Challenge now. Oh, that like, would be even better. You know, real quick before if jumping, you expect uh, any of these other big signings that we paid this month that. Are, you know, that are actually at the performance center or people that were waiting to arrive. You, you see any of them, you know, maybe not getting involved at the show, but hey, it's a regular at takeovers that we see some big names in the audience. Well, uh, as I already mentioned, Candice LeRae, I would have her come out for uh, the Gargano moment. Uh, I would have War Machine absolutely featured in a, a front row sort of segment, um, along with Ricochet and. Would you really? Would you have War Machine? It doesn't really seem like their vibe that they're going to go just. Oh, I think it does. I think it does. I now I'm thinking like I agree with you. Candice is going to be. I think she's going to be featured like as a part of the event. Yep. Uh, but you know, I'm I'm fully expecting to see Ricochet there. They're going to give us a close up, introduce you know the the WWE universe to who he is. And, and it'd be a perfect spot for an EC3 sighting. I was just about to say, uh, EC3 is is the interesting one. Do we see EC3 tomorrow night? Um, I think you and I both agreed that EC3 definitely needs to go through NXT, right? Right. Yeah. It, it, such a great talent. And, I, and I've seen in multiple places where people are like, oh, he needs to debut in the Rumble. He needs to be introduced to the entire WWE universe. You know, the sad thing is... 75% of WWE Universe is not going to remember or know who he is and, and recognize his great work that he did with Impact Wrestling. You say 75%. I think it's closer to 90. <laughs> well, I'm I mean, a little lean. Well, no, I, I, I'm not saying that to be rude. I'm saying, you know, right. Impact averages 275,000 viewers and Monday Night Raw has 3 million viewers. I mean, put that in context. You know, it's about right. 10% of the audience that watches Impact. That's that's not being rude. That's just facts. Um, but yeah, I think EC3 would be a good one. Uh, I would like to see the Cowboy show up and take on Bobby Roode. I would not oh, bring someday. James Storm into uh, NXT. No, I, I think he's beyond that. You know, because he he has had that WWE rub, and you know, it's like you said on a previous episode. There's not a whole lot of need to explain to everyone who James Storm's is. James Storm is. You yeah. know what that character is all about after five minutes. Yep. 
Yeah, put a, put a microphone in his hand and a hat on his head, and that's the cowboy James Storm. EC3, on the other hand, is a little bit more of that generic cookie cutter, like just presentation. Yeah. I mean, you need to let people know what he's about. You know, if he is at TakeOver, man, I'd love to see him up in a private box. You immediately know he's above everyone else. Not even front row. He's in a private box. Yes. Uh, okay, so now the next big question, who is in the box with him? Is Dixie in the box? A box of dicks. Uh, no, I, <laughs> I, you know, she does. She's got a re, she's got a pretty good relationship now with WWE. Right. That's I, why right? I that's why I was asking. I mean, does does the EC three gimmick work without Dixie Carter? I think it does. I, I think. I mean, like the whole like I get the whole spoiled rich kid. It was kind of his gimmick when he came in, but it meant a whole lot more that you know his aunt was the one, or I'm sorry, his aunt was the one that uh, owned the company. You know, you, you know what though. It, He's so good in that just, you know, that spoiled rich kid role. Man, you could almost have him to make you here like your new million-dollar man. Ooh, yeah, I like that. I like that. Uh, I definitely bring him in as Ethan Carter III. Derek Bateman is dead. Derek Bateman had poodle hair. Let's let's not go back to that name. That name's terrible. Uh, anything else that you wanted to comment on when it comes to the recent world of NXT or NXT going forward? What, which of these matches do you feel, what's the hype going to be about, you know, like for the last takeover, some great matches up and down the card, but everyone, you know, it, it seemed to seem to favor black and dream. Which one of these is going to be the standout for you this time around? Adam Cole and Alistair Black. That's that's kind of what I expect, um, but I expect that the narrative coming out of this show is going to be Tommaso Ciampa. I expect that's going to be the narrative coming out of this show. So, um, so kind of, so you're going with the match is the Extreme Rules match, but maybe the moment is going is to be Ciampa. Ciampa. Yep. Uh, one other thing I did want to bring up. I'm happy that I didn't forget this. Uh, sanity is nowhere to be found on this show. Do you expect Nikki Cross in the women's rumble? Maybe uh, Killian Dane, Eric Young, Alexander Wolf in the uh, men's rumble. I mean, we got we still got plenty of spots to fill up here. Is is now the time for Sanity to invade Raw or SmackDown? Yeah, I'm, the real name that really jumps out to me is Dane. You know, he he elevated himself. You know, like crazy. He went. He went through the roof at War Games. I'm a big you know, showing how athletic guy. he can be, and you know, a man that size that could move like that, man, they gotta just be, you know, just dying. Well, to bring. and there's also the issue of War Machines coming in. Don't you want to get Killian Dane the fuck out of there before uh, Hanson and Roe debut? That I, seems like that would make sense to me. Which would you consider? in any way moving the entire sanity stable? Absolutely. Absolutely. Send them to SmackDown. All four of them. Nikki Cross versus Charlotte. I would love to see that. Well, and you know, it kind of, because they've shown us time and time again that they don't mind kind of mirroring things between the red and the blue because you've got Wyatt and Hardy doing your strange kind of act over on, on the red brand. Yeah. So it would make sense to kind of plug in that similar gimmick style vibe 
over on SmackDown. Well, and then you also get Eric Young, who is the consummate professional. You can push Eric Young in a U.S. title level, or if you get him hot enough, Eric Young versus AJ Styles is a fantastic match. I mean, of course, we've seen it many a times, but the mass populace hasn't. Well, you know, I'm just, just thinking, you know, you got like AJ Styles at the top. You got Bobby Roode as, as your mid-card champ. You slide in Eric Young. You got like a little mini impact thing going on Tuesday nights. Yep, the house that Dixie Carter built. It really is. All, all we got to do is get Joe over there, and, and we'll be all set. Maybe Kurt Angle can be the GM of SmackDown now. We'll just flip, you know, the, the management teams around. Oh, the main roster. Such I don't even a, like using that. I don't even like using place. that term main roster. I, I, at all costs, I try to avoid saying call up or main roster because of just the pure garbage that they give us. Do you think NXT steals the weekend again? Yeah, I don't, I don't see how they can't, you know, this, you know, at least going in with, you know, excitement. I, I am not looking forward to Sunday evening in the slightest. Uh, this is all about Saturday. Hey, there's some, some great potential here. You know, and, and as you said, you know, NXT has proven time and time again, they're not going to let you down. Yeah. You, you have good faith built up in NXT, whereas the WWE has pissed away most of their good faith. Um, it, but like I was saying at the beginning of the show, when you look at this show on paper, Andrade Cien Almas versus Johnny Gargano, yeah, that's that'll be a good match, but is it really a main event? Alistair Black versus Adam Cole, man, that sounds almost more like a main event than Cien versus Gargano. Undisputed Era versus Authors of Pain, oh, yeah, well, okay. I really am you know? hoping that, I'm really hoping that the crowd isn't so overly excited for Cole and black that it takes away from any potential moment that we have in that, in that title match. That's a good point too. That's a very good point, especially when, because the styles between Adam Cole and Alistair black and Andrade Cien Almas and Johnny Gargano are surprisingly close. You know, the other thing that you could take away from this is, uh, this is basically a two Oh five live show with authors of pain. So, like, authors for painting are like the Nia Jax. Yeah. I mean, but CN, Gargano, Cole, Black, O'Reilly, Fish. Which, which goes back to this. They ask, what, what's the problem with 205? Why isn't anyone interested in it? Because this, is, this should be your 205. This should be 205 Live. This should be 205 Live. So on that note, I guess we're going to wrap up the preview. Rick and I will be back in your ear holes shortly after TakeOver tomorrow night as we record a review episode right after the airing on the WWE Network. You can find the show on hittingthemarks.podbean.com, on Twitter at HTMPWPod, on Facebook at Hitting the Marks. Shoot us an email at hittingthemarks at gmail.com. Visit our boys Ryan and Michael over at thegorillaposition.com as they tell the stories of pro wrestling storytellers. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. Rick, how do the smart marks find you? They can hit me up on Twitter at TheRealRBV. And I'd also like to invite everyone out there. Join us in the Hameen Media Discussion Group on Facebook. It is an over-the-top Royal Rumble weekend, man. We're gonna, we've got our best-of-the-best best tournament going on. We've got our Pick'em Challenge. We're going to have a, a ton of just awesome interactive features. It's going to be a fun, fun weekend. We're going to have the live discussions going, the viewing parties. This is something you, you don't want to miss. 
Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks again to Hameen Media and TheGorillaPosition.com for uh, syndicating this episode. We'll talk to you after takeover. Enjoy the show. See ya! This